This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Jenny DeLacy is best known professionally as a video marketing strategist, copywriter, and speaker. She's got over 25 years of experience presenting to audiences of all shapes and sizes across diverse industries. Her online brand is called The Visibility Coach, and her website is brimming with ideas to bring your video marketing ideas to life from the ground up. What Jenny doesn't know about presenting with impact and crafting powerful messages isn't worth knowing, so she says. A solo mum to three teenage boys, she can be found at co-working spaces and cafes, avoiding taxi driving gigs and crimes against personal hygiene which I found very amusing. Here she is unpacking the politics of expertise and explaining to us what it means to her and how we can all claim it for ourselves. Welcome, Jenny. Oh, hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Amber. Excellent. So um, we're going to go back to your childhood. When you were growing up, did you have a particular memory of your childhood in terms of, you know, what you thought you'd be when you grow up? Was it a typical Aussie childhood? Was there anything fascinating or different about your childhood experience that might give us a little insight on who you were as a kid? Mm. I am the youngest of five and my parents are from very old families. So I, I think my dad was probably 43 or 44 when I was born. So I, we were always left well I was always left to my own devices by then because everybody was working my siblings were older and I had a really adventurous fun childhood I was always out and about and riding my bike meeting my friends playing a lot of sport pretty adventurous and very social and I think that comes from being from a big family too so yeah so very noisy childhood. very social yeah. very lo- lots happening all the time I can yeah, imagine absolutely. very different to busy. my experience I'm a solo child so um even the fact I've got two children now, I find it so noisy because I wasn't used to that. <laughs> yes, it can be a shock. It can be a shock. <laughs> um, so did you have a career dream when you sort of got a little bit older and, and did you pursue that? I always thought when I was um, in primary school and in early high school, I always thought that I would be a performer or I would be a teacher. And interestingly, I've kind of ended up being a bit of both, which is kind of nice. But I, I thought I was kind of destined for the stage because I do like, you know, telling a good story and being the centre of attention. But that really didn't happen in high school. I was academic but pretty sporty at high school. So I always felt that I, whatever I did, it would involve lots of other people. Um, and that's exactly what's happened. So it's good. And did you go on to study and did you have an early career in corporate? I mean, what was your early career experience like before you sort of found your niche and what you do now? So I started out in customer service sort of local government but really when I ended up in corporate in Telstra was really when everything um, kicked off and I started facilitating big groups of people through um, organisation change and development so all my qualifications I have a master's in professional education and training and graduate diplomas in business and a bachelor of business and all of that was essentially about affecting change in an organisation through learning and development interventions and so that career really lasted until 
So I've been a contractor since 2000 and I did my very last corporate gig three and a half years ago. That's interesting. So what lessons did it did it teach you that early career? Did it prepare you for what lay ahead when you set up your own business? Was there things that you thought, hey, I never want another boss again or I want to work with people only that, I, that I've chosen? I mean, was there anything in it for you that kind of sowed the seeds of what the foundations of your vision for your business might be? No, actually the opposite. I honestly, before I had kids, I honestly believed that my destiny in corporate was going to be as a general manager of, of either the customer service sort of culture in an organisation or in, in organisation development. And it wasn't until after my first, my eldest son was born in 1999 and I, I wanted to go back to HR and, and training and I did that for a really, really long time. So I just kept doing contracts as they came up. I did them and, you know, just sort of usually worked with people I already knew and did a bit of instructional design and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't until the contract to end all contracts, I like to call it, that happened three and a half years ago when I realised that I actually didn't have to work with people I didn't like anymore, that I could actually choose and that I, I had the right to perhaps pursue a dream of owning my own business and running my own race um, that was really empowering. I was a little bit depressed about leaving that corporate world, but I've got to tell you that, that it was a pretty horrible experience, that, that contract, and it really did totally change my mindset about what I was capable of doing. So getting back to our topic for today, what does being an expert mean to you? I mean, I know Malcolm Gladwell very famously said it's your 10,000-hour rule. Once you've done 10,000 hours of whatever it is that you profess to be an expert in, then you can really claim it. Is it about the time on the tools? Is it about a mindset? What What is it for you that mm. expertise? I, I highly value expertise, which means I am more likely to value competence in other people and actually go to an expert to get things done than try and do everything myself and I think um, as a business owner that's actually not a bad um, mindset to have. I think expertise is um, a real a passion for a particular niche or topic or area of study or whatever and delving, re- being really immersed in that. So for me, in the, especially in the last two years, for me that was about learning, taking what I already knew. So I really value the expertise I have in in uh, corporate, you know, L&D and, and consulting skills, taking those and saying, how can that fit and work for me in, you know, the 21st century when, it, when most of us are online? What expertise can I bring to the table to help other people um, build their business? So I think it's about being really immersed in it and, and kind of living and breathing it, testing it, trying it, implementing stuff you know, failing potentially, going back and measuring, really being in it. That's that's what I think brings the expertise. And of course, that means you're doing the hours as well. Absolutely. So in what you're doing now as a video marketing strategist, how have you really refined that expertise so that you are, it's quite a niche in a way. I mean, how have you really kind of worked on that from a personal point of view? And can you give us examples of, you know, maybe where you've tried something and it hasn't worked or you've had to kind of collaborate perhaps to get the expertise that you need to get your business to where it needs to go to? Mm. It's when you talk about video marketing in terms of how it can complement the marketing we're already doing and uh, amplify, if you like, the the sort of lead generation we do or the client nurture stuff we do or the things we put on our website for people to get to know, like and trust us. What I realised was that I, I am not actually the tech person my expertise lies in clarifying what it is you actually want to share and what you want to say and generating the ideas and the programs and the words and the scripts around that and where it's going to fit 
in your current marketing. So if somebody came to me, and this has happened recently, where they, they think I'm the videographer potentially, or they think I'm actually going to be able to edit something together for them. Now, I can do that for myself, but that's not what I do for my clients. I teach them how to do it themselves or I encourage them to outsource it. And so that yeah, was a really absolutely. interesting... absolutely. I think that's an important yeah, point, isn't it? a learning, yeah, good learning for me, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes people, when they come to you, they want they want you to do everything or their expectations might be different to what you, you're able to offer. So mm. how do you articulate that to clients so they still feel like they're getting the full value of the experience with you? Um, the way that I, I word it normally is that no matter whether you are outsourcing to a videographer or you are going to set you and your team up to create DIY um, video content or Facebook Live or whatever, regardless of the method you choose to create that content, you must be clear about what you are going to say. What do you want to share? What's the point of all this time and energy and potentially money in, in creating this content if you have not got your words and your messages clear? So I really believe that the strategy and the um, the messages we want to share are the absolute number one thing that we have to tackle before we bother spending time and energy and money um, using video marketing to grow our business. Absolutely. Mm, Changing tack a little bit, as a mother, and I'm one as well, we all need to learn to do lots of things, become experts in all sorts of things we never thought we had to, like, you know, internal arguments, um, sewing on buttons at 2am, all sorts of things that uh, (laughs) perhaps aren't your day job. Um, But how has being a mother and perhaps a solo parent shaped your definition of expertise and and where you put your energy? Because I think sometimes with expertise, it's about, you know, where you're putting most of your time and effort. And obviously, being a mum is very consuming. So how have you sort of balance that out with what you're doing in your business? Mm, it's a really good question because in a way, the more 100, if you are 100% committed to your niche, it is so much, there, it's, so, it's effortless in comparison to being 95%. I hope that makes sense. So sometimes I'll say to people, if you're really committed to being the expert in your um, industry or in that niche or whatever, it actually makes everything else really easy because then I know well, that's not my expertise. I don't have to do that. It makes decision-making a lot easier for me. And so, for example, I was really stressed out a couple of weeks ago. I was having a house inspection I'm renting at the moment. And I just thought, you know what? Find someone else to get the house ready for you. And I found a person who's done some work for me before. She came in. She did an awesome job. My house looked absolutely amazing. It looked like I was moving out, actually. It was so. It was like an exit clean. And I, think, I love it. Can't we live like that all the time? I know, exactly. So actually being an expert to me means that I can clearly define what I am not good at and find someone else to do it for me when I need it. Yeah. No, mm. that makes sense. And I think that's really sensible. Maybe you only learn that from experience where you realise you can't do everything. And yeah. similar to your business, I'm similar. Like I'm I'm in the process of redoing my website, but I might be a writer, but I'm not an SEO optimised writer. So I've, you know, got experts in and mm. I think expertise is about knowing also what your shortcomings are as well as the areas that you're great at and celebrating those. So I think that's great sage advice for all of us. So for your business, do you have a certain type of client? Is there like an avatar of the perfect client for you or the range of clients that you work with or how do you actually define who it is that's your market? Mm, It's a really good question because uh, we're encouraged really to, you know, pick, uh, pick an avatar. And in, let's say I, I chose female entrepreneurs and um, they might have different um, 
struggles or, or different issues around video marketing compared to a small business owner with 10 staff members. But actually, the longer I've been doing this, the more I realize that that is actually not true. And that if I am true to my expertise is here is a system that I will successfully implement in your business for you, whether you are a solo uh, entrepreneur, or you have a team of people that you want to train to actually create the content planning and the strategy and create the video content and Facebook lives and so forth. So it's more about businesses that are ready to take their marketing to a broader, more visible space through video. So that, that's who my client is. So sometimes that's about internal um, development. It could be about client nurture. It could be about lead generation. So it completely depends on where the client wants to sort of amplify what they're doing already to make get more bang for their buck basically through video marketing. And do you find a lot of the clients have never done it before, like they're sort of looking for you to educate and hold their hand a little bit or do you get clients who maybe come to you because they want to just do it better or is it a mix of both? No, it's actually the, the former. You're right. It's usually people who haven't uh, implemented it, have seen some statistics and are thinking, you know, we're not getting at the, the same results we were getting on Facebook in the past or, um, hey, you know, our leads have sort of slowed down. Uh, we want a different way to communicate with our with our clients. So as an example, I had a finance client with, um, you know, a fairly big database and they only really see them once a year. And so he said, I want to create some videos. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts? And we came up with some really great ideas and he interviewed other clients and we created videos around that and he then sent them out to his database. So they got to see and, and experience him as the business owner but also other people just like them in those videos. So it's usually people at the very beginning of the process that, that I tend to work with. Absolutely. No, that, that's a great insight. How do you keep up with the latest sort of, you know, trends and, and ideas for video and online marketing? How do you make sure that you are at the top of your game and your expertise? Mm, that's a really good question because actually I really don't love tech. I don't want to use apps. I don't want to learn apps. I find it really takes up a huge amount of time for not a very necessary part of my business because, again, I come back to the messaging and the strategy around this. So what I do is Again, this is about outsourcing. I don't like doing that sort of research. I have someone else um, do some um, research probably every couple of weeks about latest um, statistics, um, any new apps that have come out, whether or not we want to test those apps, um, what are they good for, what what value are they going to add when, in fact, I'm a huge advocate for face-to-camera video, face videos because that's what lets people get to know us, like us and trust us. So do I want to move in towards, you know, the latest trend of the latest app that's going to turn drone footage into something really sexy when it's actually got nothing to do with you as a business owner? And the answer is usually no. But people say, oh, have you seen this thing? And I, I can honestly say, yes, I have, but I don't believe I need to use it. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's that's a fantastic perspective and a, and a way in which I hadn't thought about that before. So that, that's really interesting. And I, I suppose I'd be curious to know, um, you know, as an expert, as someone who sounds like they, they like the process of learning, do you actually collaborate with others on this journey? Like are you interested in sort of skilling up with seminars, reading, formal education? How do you make sure that what you're doing always has a bit of freshness to it as well because I think sometimes in our own businesses we can get quite stuck and we don't really move forward because we maybe don't need to because, you know, until the sales funnel is kind of drying up, we sort of don't think about it. So for you personally, how do you make sure that you're stimulating yourself but also doing the right thing for your clients as an expert? Um, I'm, a, well, a lifelong learner basically. So there is always 
something going on in my own personal development and learning. Um, so I gravitate towards people who are very generous with their programs. If anybody, you know, says, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this person, but I don't actually get access to the person, I find that really pretty awful. Oh, yes, it's a very ordinary experience, isn't it? And a lot of people do. Um, Amazingly, people do spend ridiculous amounts of money on coaches that aren't going to support them and be there for them on a one-on-one sort of authentic level. So for me, it's always about networking. So I spend a lot of time with a lot of people, listening to what they're doing, asking questions, seeing what their, you know, concerns and their um, challenges are in their businesses, not to coach them, but just to learn what, where everybody's at and sort of support each other. But also my own personal development, I spend... You know, I invest a lot of money in my own personal learning um, and have done since the beginning and I encourage everybody to, yeah, ask around when you're looking to spend money on a coach or something so that you can pick one that really suits you. And and it sounds like you may have had your own experience with coaches or, you know, those formal kind of um, business training experiences and I, maybe you've, you've got a cautionary tale for us as well that you could share about that experience or was it a positive experience for you but you've just witnessed others maybe going down a path which hasn't come to fruition in any sort of tangible results, which I have mm. to admit is mm. frustrating when I you know. watch people spending, oh. you know, five ten thousand $10,000 and then they're exactly where they started really. Yeah. And do you know what? It's like buying a gym membership and assuming you're going to get fit. That's how I, yeah. that's how I look at it. I think, you know, um, if I know from experience I have spent money with coaches early on. So probably two years ago was the most money I spent. Um, and I was very early on in my tech sort of journey at the time. And I was not ready for what they wanted me to do. So they were very sales funnel driven and click funnels and so forth. And, you know, looking back that they were trying to steer me in a very clear direction that I simply was not ready for. And I just think when, when people go, I want to, you know, go and see a coach, I need some coaching. I'm really clear about What's the outcome that you are looking for? Because if it's just sort of general business acumen and maybe getting a really clear picture of your business plan, then that's a completely different coach to the one that is a sales funnel coach. Um, and so I just really encourage everybody, yeah, it's super important to invest in our own learning, I believe, because obviously that's my bias, <laughs> but just be really wary of how much money you spend and where you spend it and ask around with trusted people too to find out what others have found value in. I think you're right. There are different coaches, and I've had, I've had a really positive experience with a business coach for many years. But it was definitely a period of my business. It was a time of, you know, a lot of change, and I was changing where my expertise was focused. And she was great at really, because she knew me a little bit from you know earlier early years. It, I felt like it added something different. Whereas I've gone to seminars where it's all been about, you know, the one to many sort of process of coaching and mentoring and ideas, and it's felt very like there's nothing in it for me and it sounds quite egotistical, but I think we go to these things wanting wanting something for ourselves. If we take a day out of the office or we're spending money and time, we are looking for something a little bit more customised and I mm. suppose with, when you're an expert um, in what you do, you want the other experts to honour their, their agreement with you if you like. So I think mm. that's good insight into how to actually process that information. So in terms of your own experience, is there any special people in your life that have sort of taught you some exciting or major lessons that have stuck with you and maybe you keep coming back to and they don't have to be well known, but are there sort of maybe one or two people in your life that have really helped you on this journey of expertise? Mm, absolutely. Um, there's there's several. But but I think that, again, when those when those experts are around you, Walking the talk and actually applying things in your own business for yourself is a really good lesson. And I've found lately 
that a lot of the things that are coming out of my mouth are also things I'm supposed to be doing for me. It's really, really interesting that a lot of the time I've been talking to people about, yes, it might feel uncomfortable, but we've got to give, you know, we've got to do this. And I thought, actually, what, what am I avoiding that's really uncomfortable? And it's things like phone calls, getting better and better at actually speaking to people over the phone. You'd think that would be easy. But it's I was actually say, really interesting. I know. <laughs> I know, but it, you just get so used to it when you're online that yes. you don't talk one-on-one to many people. It's really interesting. So when I started out three and a half years ago after that terrible contract, Kate Toon was someone who had immediately um, attracted me because oh, I, I, yeah, I wanted to be a copywriter and I did start as a copywriter and I got some good contracts and I did some really lovely work in the learning and development space as well as um, just small business space and I learned so much from Kate and again that generosity is a really big value of mine and so she is exactly the sort of person I'm glad that I found straight away. Um, so she was instrumental really in, in me feeling like this was possible that I could actually you know, do this. So I love, I love, love, love her. She spoke at my meetup a couple of weeks ago. She's absolutely awesome. And she's uh, been a podcast guest. So we've got commonality. Yeah, she talked about SEO. So she was amazing and very self-deprecating and, you know, yes. from a brand point of view, lots of things to love about Kate. So I'm yes. glad that uh, you had a good experience with her as well. Oh, very much so. And, um, and look, in the, recently I've spent a lot of time with people who are building bigger communities um, through meet up and through sort of Facebook groups and and two people that come to mind there are Francesca Moy who is again a very generous person and so is Mark Boness who is a uh, a tribe builder and he has a very specific system so I wanted to not just work with women I really found that that's been really good for me to mix it up and actually have men and their opinions and Clive Enever is another one who is just awesome to work with so they're probably the most they're the four most important in the last you know couple of years for me fantastic Last, last advice, what would be your final nuggets of gold to people wanting to navigate the politics of expertise? I think we have to trust what we are actually really good at and accept that we are actually good at it. I think there's a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I don't mind doing that and I'm all right at that and as though there's some arrogance in saying, actually, I am really good at this stuff. I'm really shit at a lot of other stuff but actually I'm really good at this thing, this thing that I really like doing and kind of owning it because once you – I, I liken it to sort of shaking off a really nice um, beach towel and getting rid of all the sand that you don't want, all the stuff that, that doesn't serve you that you don't like, but keeping hold of the, the nuggets of expertise that you actually really love. And when you think about them, they make you feel really good, that you were actually achieving things, that you felt really great when you were working in that space. Bring that with you. If you've got to redefine what you want to do, that's fine. But don't let go of what you're great at, bring it back and work out how to how to kind of wear it like a, a nice uh, pashmina because I think that we, we often let things go as we get older because we think that we, we've left that career behind, but we really haven't. Um, we just redefine like building things. Blocks, sometimes mm. it's like but also when you're building your own building, you don't have to just take on all the old stuff. You can get rid of some of the rubble and I think you're right. It's being really clear about, yeah, you don't have to chuck everything out. I think some people when they think about reinventing themselves as an expert they do tend to go to extremes you know mm. it's sort of like I was an investment banker and now I'm a yoga teacher I mean yeah that might be a hobby but maybe that's not going to be everything for your career so I think you're right I think there's often a reason why you've had the earlier experiences and mm. you can possibly build and learn from from those as well 
Yeah, no, I love, um, you know, seeing people really step into it. And that was a big lesson for me that I hadn't left that behind. And actually, I don't want to leave it behind. So even though I don't want to work in corporate learning and development, there is a huge amount of expertise in that 25 years that I now give to clients in a different way. Um, and I just really encourage everybody to, to do the same. Perfect. Well, if you do want to connect further with Jenny DeLacy, there will be some details and show notes at the end of this recording. You've been listening to The Politics of Everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.